I don't want to be a martyr. Nor I. I want to live. That is good. For believing what you do, we confer upon you a rare gift these days. A martyr's death. The cross commands you. The blood of the martyrs commands you. I wrote them down in my diary so that I wouldn't have to remember. Since this is going to be the last episode before Christmas, I thought I would tell you my favorite Christmas story. And it is not a murder story. That's a relief. Well, somebody dies. And, oh, no, the cat is out of the bag. You are all in trouble today because I'm going to prove that this is a family-friendly story because sitting across from me at the table is my 11-year-old son. So if I'm telling it to him, I trust that I can tell it to you and you will be okay. I cannot promise you that no one dies in the story because someone dies at the end. It's still martyrs podcasting. Come on now, people. So, all right, where are we going? We are going to the 4th century. I think you mean when are we going? Well, when, where, wherever. Don't correct me. (laughs) It's going to be one of those days. We are going to basically 325 AD. I am not a you-must-know-every-date-in-history person, but if you're going to learn one, the Council of Nicaea was 325 AD. So I mentioned last week that we were... Um, with our Christmas martyrs, that we were uh, about three decades when they died away from the legalization of Christianity. 325 is right about that time. With legalization, this is one of those fun little things about church history, so quick aside, people freak out because, well, why didn't they figure out the canon? Or why didn't they debate the Trinity until, like, the 4th century? Well, because they were dying. They were being killed for being Christian, and, you know... When I'm sitting on one pew and Joe is sitting on the other pew, and if your name is Joe, congratulations, you're in church. Um, You're sitting on the other side. If our biggest concern is, man, I really hope the Romans don't burn us to death in church today. You don't really care what Joe thinks about the nature of Christ, and Joe doesn't care what I think about the work of the Holy Spirit. We haven't got time to argue about that. We're busy not dying. Make sense? Okay. True. So, until the legalization of Christianity um, in the early 4th century, you didn't have time for this because you were too busy living. Once you're legal, though, you can start having some more arguments and some more discussions. Enter a man named Arius. Now, Arius is one of the most notorious heretics in church history if you would like to understand arius's bad theology go read on modern day jehovah's witnesses arius denied the eternality and the divinity of christ so in arius's theology he thought that jesus was a created being he was the greatest of all the creations of god but he was not god and he was a created being now that causes problems because one it's a denial i'm getting the thumbs down it is a denial of basically like your entire new testament but it also it can't be allowed to stand so you have arian bishops and you have non-arian bishops and this is a controversy that's going to go on in the church for the better part of 150 years just so you know and like i said modern days jehovah's witnesses still hold to this theology we haven't gotten rid of it But this is what leads to the calling of the Council of Nicaea, to try to understand the nature of Christ, who he is, and they're going to rightly define him as the eternal, preexistent 
deity who takes on flesh in the incarnation. Now, how is this a Christmas story before I get too long-winded? All right. One of the people who attended the Council of Nicaea was a bishop in Myra, which is modern-day, which is Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And that bishop of Myra's name was, you want to say it? Who is it? Do you know who it is? I forget. (laughs) I, I was wondering if you knew this one or not. The bishop of Myra's name is Nicholas. Oh. I knew you knew that. Now, we take the... Now, he was sainted by the Roman Catholic Church, so he is referred to in church history as Saint Nicholas. You translate that over into German, and you have... Sinterklaus. Sinterklaus. And as we take that into English, we get... Santa Claus. Santa Claus. That is right. This is where the origin of the Santa Claus story comes from. He was an actual dude. And by the way, I'm not recommending every movie, but if you watch the Christmas Chronicles on Netflix, they actually borrow some of this, or not precisely, but they actually take some of the history to explain the Santa Claus thing in that movie. It's just a fun, again, it's not a theological movie by any stretch, but it's just fun that somebody actually did a little research and, and knew a little something before they made a movie about it. But Nicholas was a bishop, was a very well-respected, well-known, and well-liked bishop, um, was born to a wealthy family, spent his entire life spending his family's money for the betterment of the poor and the uplifting of anybody in need. So like one of the big things in that society was you had to pay a dowry for your daughter to be married. It was just kind of like a thing. Well, if you were poor and you couldn't afford a dowry and your daughter isn't going to be married, then there's no grandkids. There's not getting this mouth out of your house. There's no creation of the family. So one of the things Nicholas would do was pay dowries for poor families so that daughters could get married, so families could get started, so that these people could be taken care of. Mm -hmm. He was famous for leaving gifts. That's where the whole stocking thing came from. Go dig into Nicholas of Myra. You will enjoy it. It will do you good. Now, I tell you all of that because Nicholas of Myra was one of the attendees at the Council of Nicaea. That is fun for me because you have an image in your mind of what the dude who is based on, who who Santa Claus is based on, should be like. And what do you think he should be like? Well, depends. Well, there's a bunch of things. No, no, no. If I'm telling you there's a guy who we took and then we based Santa Claus around him, do you think that's a nice man? Sure. Do you think he's polite and kind and loving? Yeah. Yes. And I just told you a couple of stories about things that he would do and how he spent his entire life Mm -hmm. helping people. Mm -hmm. Always remember, one of the lessons I teach people when they read their Bibles is like when you read your prophets and you're reading the judgment sections, pay attention for the sections that talk about redemption because there is always redemption mentioned when judgment is discussed and vice versa. In every Christian life that is built around love and peace and patience and kindness, there is a Christian life that is also built around justice and a demand for the honor of God in his work. So Arius, denier of the divinity of Christ, um, corrupter of scripture in its interpretation, was given an opportunity to speak at the Council of Nicaea. Now, you're a kind-hearted, loving soul who loves God, loves your Bible, and loves Christians and wants to care for them in every shape, form, or fashion. Do you know what you would hate more than anything else in life? Sin. Sin and the people who try to convince you it's a good thing. Uh Heretics. You would hate sin and you would hate heretics. As the story goes, the greatest Christmas story of all time, while Arius was 
espousing his heresy and false theology, Nicholas of Myra was sitting in the crowd and could take it no longer and was so angered by the heresy of Arius and the fact that he was being allowed to speak and propagate his false teaching that in the middle of the meeting, Nicholas got up, marched across the room, walked up to Arius and punched him square in the face, knocking him out cold. I remember this. You told it at a at a Christmas thing. I did. I have told this. It's my favorite Christmas story. It's uh, Santa got up and beat down a heretic. What better story could there be to tell at Christmas? He's jolly. He's loving. He's caring, and he will smack you if you lie about God. That is my kind of dude right there. That is my kind of Christian right there. I appreciate this, and I will never not appreciate it until the day I die. Now, I told you somebody dies. Arius dies. Mm -hmm. After Arius was not cold, and they drug him out, and I'm I'm not even kidding. And and by the way, this is another one of those stories that it may be true, it may not be true. I have simply decided to live my life as though it were true because I need this story to be true. It's just that important to me. I hope it's true because I like it. (laughs) See? See? I'm raising you right. The, um... The heretic Arius, according to various stories, is actually struck by God and dies wailing and weeping because he's basically being devoured from the inside out by parasites. So somebody still dies, but in this case, it's not a martyr for the faith. It is a heretic judged by God. The hero of the faith in this story that we celebrate, Nicholas of Myra, lover of the poor, carer of the brethren, Defender of the faith, smacker of heretics. <laughs> My kind of guy. Christian, always remember, we stand firm. We tolerate nothing from sin and the evils of this world. And we demand of ourselves and our fellow Christians that we walk ah. faithfully. Oh, don't pop your jaw, boy. That we walk faithfully, loving God, trusting in his word, and persevering to the final kingdom. And if you find something in your life that is preventing you from doing that, then take a page from the book of Nicholas and whack him upside the head one good time and keep on moving in the faith. Until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.